Joining us right now is somebody I greatly admire, and if I were a little bit younger and starting my career uh, sort of maybe 10 years in or so, I would love to be doing what he's doing. It's Ben Badler of uh, Baseball America. He's their international scouting expert. Uh, And, Ben, we really appreciate your taking some time for me, Stan the Fan, along with Craig Heiss. Oh, absolutely, guys. Thanks for the kind words. I appreciate it. Uh, first of all, uh, I know that international scouting isn't the only thing you know because you come at this from a real passion for, for baseball to begin with. What were your thoughts when you saw that the Orioles signed uh, Mike Elias to be their new exe- top executive and then followed it quickly with Sig Meidel, uh, Meidel uh, who's their uh, analytics Guru. Yeah, I think those are two really, really strong hires. Uh, I think uh, personally, I was expecting, and I think a lot of other people uh, were expecting, you know, a top GM candidate like a, a Mike Elias or, or other uh, soon-to-be GMs to possibly shy away from mm-hmm. the job in Baltimore. But he has a, a really good track record in uh, Mike does, and, and obviously Sig as well in, in Houston. And uh, a lot of respect for for both guys around the game. Uh, you know, Mike. You know, I know we're going to talk about international scouting for the Orioles, and, and I saw Mike. I mean, he he was in charge of basically all their scouting in mm-hmm. Houston, and I saw him a lot uh, going down in, in Latin America, just going down and doing that uh, grassroots scouting for them. So he was uh, somebody who was very well immersed in in that arena. So I think that's a very very strong hire, or a strong couple of hires for for the Orioles. What can you say about the guy that he just signed last week to head the international, the Orioles' new real foray into international scouting, especially in Latin America, Kobe Sanchez or Kobe Perez? Yeah, Kobe's been uh, been around for a while. I see him all the time <laughs> running around uh, uh, all the different countries in in Latin America, seeing players. He's uh, you know, he had been with the Phillies for, for a long time, and the Phillies are an organization I think is one of the, the best in baseball at, at international scouting, and, and they signed a lot of really good, young, and, and very inexpensive pitching prospects out of Latin America who were uh, very under-the-radar type guys who, uh, you know, were projection guys, maybe lanky guys with good delivery, good arm action, some feel for spin, but... Um, you know, the, the present stuff maybe wasn't there at the time they signed, so they didn't sign for a lot of money. But uh, after signing, they, they really shot up and uh, turned into very good uh, pitching. Pro- I mean, Sir Anthony Dominguez is one guy who's already there, obviously, for them uh, in the big leagues. And, and I think Kobe and, and, you know, they have a whole bunch of other really good scouts in uh, Philadelphia, but he was a big part of that. So it uh, wasn't a big surprise when he got a uh, a promotion to to work for uh, for Cleveland, and uh, you know since he's been in Cleveland the last uh, you know few years as as their Latin American scouting director, I think the the Phil or excuse me the uh, the Indians have done a, a really really good job signing some of the some of the better uh, especially better hitting prospects in uh, in the lower levels of the minor leagues. Guys like uh, George Valera, an outfielder out of the Dominican Republic, uh, Brian Rocchio, a shortstop from. Uh, from Venezuela, who was our, our number one prospect in the in the Arizona League this year, so uh, I think he's got a, a really strong track record behind him, which I, I think is really really important, and, and somebody who has a 
a lot of respect among his uh, among his colleagues and his his peers in the in the international scouting world too. I want to dig into uh, what's still left in the market in a, in a moment, but I did want to ask you, uh, big picture. I know John and Luis Angelos took took their time in getting Michael Elias and Sig in place. Do you think that that cost them Victor Victor Mesa and or and or Sandy Gaston? Or do you? I mean, and is that that big a deal in the grand scheme of things? Now that you see, you know which direction they're going. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest uh, the biggest thing for them was just to get the right people in charge because that's you know guys like Mike and Sig, and they're they're really going to shape the entire organization much more so than uh, you know one player like mm-hmm. uh, a Victor Victor. But yeah, I mean, at the same time, they really should have signed <laughs> Victor Victor. Um, this was a guy who's you know, everybody knows who he is or should know who he is. And the Orioles had far more money available in their international bonus pool than anybody else. They they traded up for more money. Mm-hmm. And then they made that bizarre move where they traded away. That was, the most, that was the most pool. bizarre deal that Dan made in his time here, you know. Yeah, so I don't know like what what the motivation for for that was. I was like a 22 or 23 year old, what first baseman in, in, in the Gulf Coast League, Not, right? Yeah, yeah. So so they really they did they did screw up when it came to signing Victor Victor. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, getting the right people to be in charge of your organization to make an impact on far more than one player has got to be the the main priority for them. So let me ask you this, and I have a pretty good memory, and you were on with us, I'm going to say, and I know your schedule is so crazy, uh, but I think you were on with me about 18, 20 months ago. And you, I asked you what it would really take to, you know, to dig in, would it, what, what an academy would cost to really dig in in Latin America and you're, I remember very distinctly you saying what, what maybe they should do is for the price of a utility infielder, which would be like 3 or $4 million, you were suggesting that even if they just earmarked that for pitching and held a, you know, a, um, a tryout and signed 30, 40 guys at $100,000 apiece, that they could get some good arms. They now still have $6 million left. Uh, in in that bonus money, international bonus money, do you think there are still is there still talent that they can find over the next four or five months before that figure expires? Yeah, that's the the tricky part is that most of if if not almost all of the top international prospects for the 2018 to, to 19 signing period. It, you know, it started on July 2nd right. last year, and, and it goes until June this year. So pretty much all of the the top guys for this year are, are gone. Now that said, there's just so many players in Latin America, and we talk about a guy who might be a, a late bloomer. Like, I, I hate even using that mm-hmm. term because a late bloomer, you know, for kids who are eligible to sign at 16, right? You know, some of them are still 16, or or if they're 17 or 18, like like 18 is considered an older player in Latin America for for an international signing. Whereas obviously in the states, that's oh, it's a senior in high school, right? It sounds absurd to call <laughs> yeah. an 18 year old kid a 
oh, a bloomer. Right. So I don't think that the the money it, it, it is something of an advantage, but it's not like you're going to go out and sign the the super high profile player. But if you do find that under the radar type of guy, you do have a little bit more financial uh, flexibility to just offer him more money than somebody else that may have tapped out their entire international bonus pool. So are we uh, talking Ben at that level or those guys, $300,000, $400,000, you know, the, the late bloomer that they, they see something in. Yeah. And it's probably even less than that. I right. mean, you look at just the history of players who sign from say like January on until the end of the signing period. Mm-hmm. There, there are very few players who actually signed for more than, you know, 300,000. We might be talking about, you know, fifty thousand, seventy-five thousand, wow. even ten thousand dollar kind of signing. So really, more than anything, it comes down to uh, just just scouting and just being on the ground. And and that, I think the Orioles are actually probably a little bit behind there, just because sure. they have so much less you know staff than yep. <laughs> than other clubs. Ben, what are they going to have to do as an organization to kind of get up to speed? To to your last point. Uh, with a lot of other teams in baseball in terms of the international market and to, to kind of bear through with getting a few players that may be helpful to them down the road. Yeah, I mean, uh, hiring more more scouts on the ground is, is going to be one thing, just sort of uh, alluded to that. But uh, you just you, there's so many players everywhere in, in the Dominican Republic and Venezuela. You know, those are the two primary countries, but – um, the, the tricky thing about international scouting is, all right, in the draft, you know, you have your scouts really focused for the most part on one year's worth of players, whereas international scouts are trying to keep track of players for 2018, 2019, 2020, 21, even 22 right now. So you're trying to keep track of four years' worth of players at once, and obviously these are not kids who are, you know, playing for a high school program or, or a college team. It's it's a lot less organization than that, so you really need a lot of people on the ground to be able to stay on top of these guys and get to know them as as well as as well as they can and build as much history on these players as possible to make good decisions. But I mean, the the biggest thing is just ownership needs to be willing to spend money on players. <laughs> that's that's really the main thing because it's. You know, it was whether it's under you know Duquette or Andy McPhail or whoever, other than maybe a, a handful of Cuban players here and there, the you know ownership hasn't been willing to spend money on on players out of out of the international market and particularly out of Latin America, especially the Dominican Republic and Venezuela. So I, I think you know really good hires and and Mike Elias and Kobe Perez, but. Uh, it's not Mike Elias's money that he's going out there and right. spending. It's not Kobe Perez's money that he's going out there and spending. It's uh, the owner- ownership has to be able to say, "All right, here's you know four million or five million dollars, not all that much in the grand scheme of things, right. uh, to be able to go out and compete to sign some of the top players in Latin America." But that said, with the new regime in place, and you're talking about in Mike's case coming from an organization that had lost a hundred games but then got turned around and won a World Series and obviously a playoff team last year. How soon do you think the undertaking here in Baltimore that they're going through with him 
kind of gets turned around and going in the right direction. How long does that process usually take? Or do in you think just, it takes? Yeah. In terms of just the international turnaround or the, well, yeah, the bigger but, picture turnaround? Uh, yeah, that kind of incorporating it all, the international turnaround. But then really from a and, – and, of course, anything can happen in baseball year to year. But just to, to get this team going in a direction where they've got their feet on the ground and can contend again. Yeah, I think you're probably going to see – you could see a similar timetable to, to what happened in Houston, but I don't think the situation in, in Baltimore is quite as, as dire as it was in Houston when, uh, when Jeff Lunau took over. Uh, I, I actually think it probably could be more comparable to – uh, you know, another former Astros uh, assistant GM, David Stearns, when he took over uh, in Milwaukee, because there is there is some there there is something there in the farm system. I think the the depth is lacking a lot because of they just have signed so few international prospects over the years, and I think that's going to continue to have long term ramifications for them uh, for for years of missing out on signings in Latin America, but I, I could see this turning around within, I, I do think it's going to be at least a few more years of, of, uh, of, of not being competitive of... at the major league level. <laughs> yeah. But at, after that, I don't anticipate this being a, a five year type of uh, turnaround. I think it can potentially turn around faster than, and specific to the international market. I think as long as ownership is willing to, spend you know four or five million dollars just spend whatever the bonus pool is i think that can turn around very quickly the only difficulty there is the international market is moving so quickly that a lot of the top players for the 2019 class and even the 2020 and some of even the 2021 classes already have some commitments on where they're going to sign so they really uh, are committing that far in advance now that's yeah it's um it's it's the market is just moving extremely, extremely quickly. I would say most of the top 2019 players already know where they're going to sign. Uh, a wow. lot of the top 2020 players do as well. So uh, a lot can change over over that time period. But um, but yeah, it's it's, it's definitely starting. Uh, you know, even though the 2020 class <laughs> uh, and the 2020 or excuse me, the 2019 signing period hasn't even started yet they're they're still behind just because of, of how fast everything moves in in latin america well i would think the oriole fan base would be very encouraged by what you said yeah i would think in, so, in so. terms of you don't you don't see it as a really prolonged uh situation like we have now that it will get better because you know there were that there there was that five six year period uh, of success but I think you could see on the outside with the way things were being run that it could fall apart, and, and it did. Obviously, it took a hard dive last year. Uh, but, but what you're saying to, to Stan and myself is saying that this may not take as long as some people think. Yeah, I don't see, you know, there, there's some rebuilds we've seen that, you know, the, the major league club goes through five years of, of, of losing in, in terms of a – a rebuild, and you know, it's it's possible it, it takes that long, but I think that there's, you know, it, you know, when we talk about a system like like Houston, 
I remember writing up their top 30 prospects for our prospects handbook, and it was, you know, you got to number six or seven, and, and it was, was like, man, this guy's – you got a stretch to, to really even put him in a decent team's top 30. So, so uh, it's not like that in, in Baltimore. I think there's definitely some deficiencies in the, in the farm system, but uh, I think that uh, it, it can turn around. It, it, it's going to take a few more years probably of – of being fielding a non-competitive team at the major league level, which yeah. you know feels maybe like a lot, but I think in the grand scheme of things, it, it's it's not going to be a, a, one of these super long type of uh, long long years of tanking to to get back to the top. That's why I feel that the 2019 the the largest uh, success to me for the Orioles is if they find out five or six of their guys, and I'm talking about Austin Hayes. I'm talking about Diaz. I'm talking about guys, uh, Chance Cisco, D.L. Hall. Find out if they're going to be part of the solution here or not. And I'm not saying all of them have to be up day one, but I'd sure like to see some of them percolating and being more serious as parts of the solution here. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think that's, you know, you, you hit on a lot of the, the top guys. I mean, I think those guys, look, some of them are not going to work out, but some of those guys have a, a chance to be, uh, you know, everyday regulars or, or above average uh, potential players, whether it's uh, the position players or some of the the pitchers you mentioned as well. So it, it's going to take a, a lot more than that, but uh, they're, they're going to have high draft picks <laughs> the next few years, and that's, that's going to help them uh, a ton too. They're going to you know, uh, Mike and, and Sig are really smart guys. I'm sure they're going to make some uh, smart under the radar type pickups and and bolster their uh, bolster the major league club through uh, or, or the farm system, I should say, through through trade. So it's it's not going to be an uh, an overnight flip uh, like like you know maybe we saw the Yankees do a, a couple of years back. But uh, it's going to take a few years. But I don't anticipate it being a, a five or, or six year type of rebuild here. Ben, I got one more question for you. We, we've watched the, the really expert teams like the Dodgers and the Blue Jays for years. They get these Latin American players and they'll flip them in trades as tremendous prospects and then they sort of never really amount to anything. Yusniel Diaz, I'm sure you saw him play as a kid. Is this guy the real deal, or did the Orioles sort of get what they paid for, which is only two months of Manny Machado? Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, especially based on what it seemed like was available at the time, Yusniel Diaz was probably the best prospect that they could have gotten Mm -hmm. in return. And, yeah, Diaz is, uh, I don't know if he's necessarily a a true center fielder. He he runs well. you know, I think he's got a chance to stick in center field, but he's he's got really good hand-eye coordination and and really pretty good plate coverage too. He's not a guy who's going to go up there and swing and miss much. Uh, his power has, has improved uh, a, a decent amount over over the last couple of years. I don't I don't expect him to go out there and be a big big masher type of guy, but um, he, he showed better control of of the strike zone this season too. So. A uh, guy who's who's young with a, a pretty good track record now, up through Double A. I did like that trade for for the Orioles. Okay. I, I like using the LDS. I think he's got a chance to be uh, uh, at least an average, if if not better, uh, everyday player at the major league level. 
Hey, we really appreciate the time. We know you've got uh, people b- banging down the doors to get you on all the time, and you travel a lot. So really appreciate the time. We wish you a healthy, happy uh, 2019. Oh, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. You all too. right. Ben, thank you very much. All right.